Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Full Cast and Crew podcast for 2024. Happy New Year. Glad to be back speaking into the microphone to you all. In my episode today, I'm going to be talking with Bruce Edwards about the James Cameron sequel to the Ridley Scott film Alien, which is called Aliens. I'm broadcasting under some duress because Bruce has been twisting my arm for quite a while to do Aliens on the podcast, and I'm such an avowed James Cameron non-fan that I've resisted ever watching the film. Nor did I ever watch Alien 3, which I also watched after watching Aliens, and which I enjoyed much more than I was led to believe anyone would, because it's a much maligned sequel. And it was one of the films that famously has such a tortured development history and a difficult filming process, numerous directors, before the 27-year-old David Fincher was hired to direct his very first feature film, beginning without a completed script, but turning in something really interesting and unique and very Fincherian, to quote a belabored term that I'll use many times in the episode you're about to listen to. So Bruce has been on the pod a few times. We've done a few science fiction films together because he's a very knowledgeable and literate movie fan. He's got a lot of interesting takes. And he's also, as he points out, from a different generation than I am. And he accurately diagnoses my Cameronitis, as you will hear in the episode. So I want to thank you for joining us. And I'm looking forward to getting into some interesting films in 2024. And I will now toss to my conversation with Bruce Edwards about Aliens and Alien 3. Glad to be back. Thanks as ever for supporting the pod. And I'll catch up with you on the back end of this conversation. You know, Bruce, you predicted, and were correct, as you are about many things, that I would be on a lonely, lonely island taking the position that I take on Aliens, James Cameron's unfortunate sequel to the brilliant Ridley Scott, groundbreaking, artistic, horror film, Alien. And you're right, I am so alone, I think maybe only one guy chimed in with what I would characterize as uh, a support for my sentiment. But everyone is really on your side, which seems to be, this is such a brilliant film and it's so great and what a great sequel. Am I just, am I just actually alone and stupid here? <laughs> well, obviously you're stupid. Uh, no, it's, <laughs> it's, I, you know, I have thought about this. Your uh, sort of what you grew up with, where yes. you developed your tastes in movies, were in the seventies, frankly, which was the yes. greatest decade of movies since nineteen thirty nine. Right, you know? <laughs> like there was just, uh, but there were there were a specific kind of movie. They were like movies about people, movies about struggle, movies about relationships, things like that. And Aliens is kind of a you know prime example in the 
directly in the middle of the Hollywood decade that defined blockbusters for you know decades to come. We're still we're still sort of we've never gotten out of that uh, you know mindset of mm. this is what a movie is. It's got to be big. It's got to be bold. It's got to tell a coherent story. You know, and Aliens of that sort of uh, uh, set of movies is a a great example of that kind of movie. And it's the kind of movie that I grew up with primarily. Like I was watching Aliens before I was watching Taxi Driver, you know? So for me, that the love, you know, sort of came early and, and never went away. So I don't know how unbiased I am capable of being. Having said that, looking at it from an objective standpoint, I do think there's plenty to it that is actually genuinely great uh for an action movie for a, a sci-fi action movie and again alien was a brilliant and is a brilliant horror movie and aliens is a brilliant action movie they're just two different completely different genres i think you've given the best synopsis of the difference that i've ever heard you've explained myself to myself in a way <laughs> that i am not able to do i think you're right because if i think about it you could also say contemporaries of Cameron, George Lucas, for example, Spielberg, for example, you're right. What movies did those guys grow up on? They grew up on the movies of the 40s and the 50s. They grew up on the monster <laughs> movies. They grew up on like, da, 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 you know, science fiction. And that's what those guys grew up on. And to one degree or another, their different merits as filmmakers speak for themselves. But you're right, I guess, that those guys grew up in a different generation than I grew up in. Right. And you grew up in yet a later generation than I grew up in. So I guess my uncharitable way of saying that was you grew up on worse movies than I did. So your standards are lower. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, kind of, you know, no, like, I'm joking, I will but... watch. I will watch. I there, there's a clear difference. Like there are less movies in the 80s that are sort of, uh, you know, brilliant dissertations on. Right on what it means to be a human being and, and be in America and be in relationships and all, and all that. And way more about shooting aliens in the face, you know, <laughs> like, and, and I, I grew up preferring predator and aliens and die hard and, you know, lethal weapon. Like those are my sort of bread and butter. Not to say that I'm incapable of, there are a large contingent of people who grew up, you know, with me or near my age that couldn't care less about, you know, Antonini or something, you know what I mean? Like, and that's fine and valid or whatever, but I do hope that I'm able to sort of also appreciate those kinds of movies and what they, what they can offer. Uh, big Scorsese fan, obviously, mm -hmm. uh, thing, you know, who came up in the seventies, but you know, there, there's room for everything in my, uh, view. Uh, including something that might be of lesser uh, import yes. in, in certain ways. But and what to me, what Aliens is, is a premier example of craftsmanship. Uh, really? Made further remarkable, but knowing like how Did you say premier? Was. Did you say premier or creamier? Premier. Premier example of craftsman, filmmaking craftsmanship. Hell yes. Really? Yes. Now, hold on. Let's let's dig let's dig into that for a second. When you say filmmaking craftsmanship, are you talking about writing and handling of actors on the set? 
as well yeah, as. Yeah, I mean, you know what? The I mean, acting, come on. The acting is the acting terrible. Was, uniformly The acting gross. might not have been <laughs> the best. So I do think that Sigourney Weaver is great. She is great. I do, I do think Michael Bean is exactly what he needs to be. I, I even think Carrie Hen, I think her last name is, is perfect is for, she the for pilot? her. Is she the Go pilot? Ahead. Is she the pilot? Yeah. Or no, is she the little girl? She's Newt. She's oh, the little Newt. girl. Yeah, Newt. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, Hudson, uh, that that was a uh, Bill Paxton sort of career-making performance okay, there, well, let, as stop, irritating stop, as he was. Stop for one second. <laughs> let, I, I do want to talk about Paxton because it, I'm, he's an enigma to me. Rest in peace, okay. right? Was, was an enigma to me. Is Bill Paxton dead? Yeah. Okay. Bill, Bill Paxton, at the end of his career, turned into a really interesting and good actor. Mm-hmm. But if you look at Bill Paxton in Jim Cameron films, specifically his treasure hunter character in Titanic is ludicrous. Don't come any closer. I'll drop it. You had it the entire time? <laughs> the hardest part about being so poor was being so rich. But every time I thought about selling it, I thought of Cal. And somehow, I made it without his help. Holy shit. Look, Rose, I don't know what to say to a woman who tries to jump off the Titanic when it's not sinking and then jumps back on when it is. <laughs> I'm not dealing with logic here, I know that, but please, think about this for a second. Oh, I've thought about this for years. And I've come all the way here to put it back where it belongs. Wait. Just let me hold it in my hand. Please. Just once. If you look at this character, it is ludicrous. And just that type of Cameron writing, that dialogue represented by the Paxton character in both of those films, it's not even the way any actual real person speaks in the real world, and that's what I can't accept. It's like a filmic construct of a character in an action movie. Ready, man. Check it out. I am the ultimate badass. Yes, State of the badass art. You do not want to fuck with me. Check it out. Hey, Ripley, don't worry. Me and my squad of ultimate badasses will protect you. Check it out. Independently targeting particle beam failings. Wah! For I have a city with this puppy. We got tactical smart missiles, base plasma pulse rifles, RPGs. We got sonic electronic ball breakers. We got nukes. We got knives, sharp sticks. Knock it off, Hudson. And to your earlier point, maybe it's just that the things I really, really like are the humanistic acting portrayals of the 70s. But I love and appreciate, Bruce, films like Alien, Blade Runner, RoboCop. What's the Verhoeven bug movie in space? 
Oh, Starship Troopers. Even Starship Troopers. Now, it's not a great movie to me, but I can appreciate Starship Troopers because it has that, it has a little bit of the Verhoeven DNA that RoboCop has in spades. Like RoboCop yes. is a, Robo, RoboCop could be up there with Taxi Driver as a uh, takedown of American culture, right? It stands like that also as it stands as a kick-ass action film if that's all you want to experience it as. Right. So and, your point is that you know, Aliens is not that. It could have been that or or has the well, potential to be that, but it's not that. Well, I guess the point is is that, and you know, you and I did Alien on the podcast together, and we we are both absolutely lockstep in total mind-boggled appreciation for how genius that is. I had to be. I was. I was mind-boggled all over again, just thinking like, wait, let me just double check. Am I right? Yes, Ridley Scott did both. Blade Runner and Alien within what four years of each other? Yeah, that's crazy. Back to back. That's crazy, right? For me, it's the love and the appreciation for how different and how cool Alien is that to follow it up with this is such a corporate IP play that made financial sense, but it doesn't make any artistic sense. Now, does anyone want to see an artistic Alien movie? Well. As you, as we both talked on the text thread, I was finally led to watching Fincher's Alien Three, which is an artistic Alien movie. And guess what? Turns out nobody really did want to watch that, although it made some money. <laughs> but I wanted to watch it. I was way more interested in that than I was in Aliens, which to me was so reductive to all the things that were brilliant about the first movie. Yeah, and but I think purposely so. I think it was. Yeah, I think it was. was a, it was one hundred percent purposely. You are correct. Yes, it was a. <laughs> I'm. That's that. That's great. I'm doing. I'm going one eighty. I'm going to do this. Why isn't it a ride? Know? At like, I guess because nobody owns it. It's not owned by Universal or Disney or like. It should be a ride, right? Shouldn't it be an alien ride at a at a theme park based on their? Well, <laughs> not to go too far into it, but there was a uh, ride, a dark ride at Walt Disney, at a, at a Hollywood Studios, formerly MGM Studios, called the Great Movie Ride, and there was an entire alien section. There was? Where Sigourney, there was. Oh, man. Where the alien would pop out of the ceiling, and Sigourney Weaver was kind of like looking around the corners. Oh, man, Look at I missed that. It's great. I have videos of it on my phone, I think, for when I went. Oh, but, I missed that. Yes. It, it is a ride. It's a theme park ride. That's the kind of the point of the movie. But it also, in my opinion, has some, you know, underlying uh, meaning uh, to it, you know, specifically. And I know it didn't work for you, uh, <laughs> but the you sort of uh, underlying themes of, of motherhood and, and, you know, protecting what's important, what's really important in life. And, you know, for for most people, the the whole Burke storyline and the whole mm -hmm. Waylon Utani mm -hmm. end of things, which is taken from the first movie, yep. sort of like blown uh, out, uh, is also a commentary on kind of our capitalist society and True. how all you know, if all we're concerned with is the bottom line, then we're all going to die. It's like, you know, and there's also the the Vietnam element to it, where you have this mm -hmm. highly armed, uh, you know, mm -hmm. technologically advanced. Uh, uh, armed forces come in and are completely dismantled by, you know, the, uh, you this, know, this sort of elemental, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, a native elemental element that has none of their training, but 
more of their superiority than they could ever hope to have. I'm, I'm exactly. with you. Now, we should also say, and because I do want to talk as much about Alien 3 as I do Aliens in this. That's my sandbagging you with that. But um, sure. since I'm under here under duress to have watched Aliens at all, you'll you'll have to uh, you'll have to indulge me but um from what i understand i'm watching now cuz i'd never watched aliens until prompted by you so but what i'm watching is not like what people were watching in the theater per se because i think in aliens that whole sequence where she's in the tribunal and they are critiquing her uh, actions on the nostromo and that very well cast actor, by the way, who leads the tribunal against her, I, I heard or read that that wasn't actually in the theatrical cut, that that was like put back in at Sigourney's kind of uh, haste because she felt that gave her backstory that her character otherwise didn't have. Is that true to the, your knowledge? That part, the tribunal part is in both cuts, the theatrical oh, okay. and the special edition. The part that's not, there's a few parts that are not. And in my opinion, besides two little scenes, everything added to the special edition, I feel like is is really extraneous. But the the one part that that uh, I think she's talking about specifically is a scene where Burke tells her about her daughter who oh, died. Yes. yes, you're right. You're right. The age of fifty. That's a great scene. Like that. That's a great scene. Right. And that and actually, funnily enough, <clears throat> Roger Ebert, when it first came out. I think gave it three stars or something. He was like, yeah, this is good. It's a good yeah. action movie. But like, I, I, I wanted a little bit more mm -hmm. about Sigourney Weaver and what, what her loss, her sense of loss and mm -hmm. all that. And then he saw the special edition and he upgraded his review to four stars. Oh, and he's really? like, Oh, that's what I was missing. So, okay. uh, and I agree with him. And then, you know, there was the other side, I don't know. So I think you might've watched special edition with uh, like sort of the biggest chunk of what was missing from the theatrical version was, newt's family like the a yes. little bit of yep. the story on lv426 that was not in the theatrical version uh which again i don't know that it's necessary because oh i like i like the little newt backstory now however okay. to your point though bruce this is there's a couple places that i howled you're a parent i'm a parent I'm willing to bet that at the time he made this movie, James Cameron was not a parent yet because Probably not, yes. I don't care where you are. I don't care what your job is. I don't care if you're a terraforming family. No parent is going to leave two children under 10 alone on a hostile planet while they go check out a creepy spaceship. One of them would stay behind while the other went in. It's just a construct to create the orphan newt, which... I'm laughing at as it's happening because uh, it just wouldn't be that way. And I guess this is where I always fall afoul of people on Instagram who are like, well, that's a completely unrealistic expectation that you have. But to your point, I did like that scene. I liked those things that weren't in the theatrical. And if it's Cameron that fought to put them back in this longer released edition, that, that stuff I like. I just don't like the... I don't like fundamentally the plurality. I don't like adding S to alien. I don't like there being thousands of them. I liked the fact that there's one of them or there are a very limited number of them that are capable of wrecking this havoc. If you could just machine gun them down, that to me takes away from what was so fucking scary about the alien in Alien, which to right. me was almost unkillable. Right. And well, but it, it's unkillable in a different way. It's like it, it it's a different kind of 
fear. Like it's the fear of the sort of like Mm -hmm. an insurmountable problem rather than the fear of the lone sort of stalking killer. You know, it's more like, and, and to me, what, what makes aliens really great is the portrayal of, of Ripley and how she just is like, fuck this. I'm fixing this. You know, she's like, I'm not. And, and her character. And like, I, you know, I am not aware. I, you know, I'm fairly well, read uh well watched i don't know what you say <laughs> you know in well terms versed. of film history yeah thank you well versed uh in you know a variety of film characters and i'm not aware of mainstream movies having that strong of a sort of action heroine up 100%, to this point 100 it's and, always and I, the yeah. best part of these films it's sigourney weaver it's funny when you're reading about three and all the development stuff that they, there was actually a moment where they were going to get away from the character. Like so, some, some, either right. Guyler or someone in the film community was like, you know what, let's, let's get away from Ripley. We don't want to do too much with the character. Let's, let's emphasize when, then they want to emphasize the Michael Bean character more in their, one of the original mm-hmm. conceptions of three. And luckily that sort of came back, but I agree with you. Her, if you were ranking Sigourney performances in one, two and three, how would you stack them? Uh, two would be number one because she's she's frankly given so much more to do here. It's true because it's not just the I'm you know I'm caught up in this situation and I have to survive. I'm right. the smartest person in the room. It's that with an additional layer of the sense of loss and you know mm-hmm. sort of fish out of water, the fear of going back into a situation that she knows is dangerous and dealing with it. Like, yes. it's not just like, Oh, I'm in this situation. I got to get out. It's she put herself in that situation to solve it. And it's, there's just like sort of layers. And then she finds the daughter that which reminds her of the daughter she lost. And I never got a chance to raise her. So I'm going to do what I can for this one. And it's, and you know, she literally d- descends into hell essentially mm-hmm. to save uh, the little girl and her sense of motherhood and all that. And, you know, Cameron based, I guess this, uh, the outline when he was asked to do this on a pre on another outline that he wrote called, I think it was just called mother. Mm. Um, so with, w- with, you know, the whole point of it is, is that storyline and like the queen is, is the mother of to these aliens. So it never bothered me that it was a fundamentally different threat you know, yeah, uh, and we can discuss. But my main issue with Ridley Scott's subsequent movies, <laughs> uh, all all other problems <laughs> aside, is the fact that I never wanted to know. I think the aliens are so much scarier if you don't know where the hell they come from. You're talking about Prometheus. Why, you're talking about Prometheus. Talking about but you're Prometheus telling. And what was, are you telling me, Bruce, that when you saw that trailer in the movie theater the first time, that you were not so fucking psyched to see that movie? Yeah, but then I saw it. I know, <laughs> it I know, like, but I'm just saying, within, but, but, but the disappointment in the movie is directly connected to how awesome that, that was a great example of amazing trailer, terrible movie. There yes, are, there are examples and, of uh, up and down this spectrum, but when we saw that trailer in a movie theater, I mean, the images of that trailer are still in my mind as yeah. so... They they connected to the first movie in the right way. The images in the trailer I'm talking about, the way the trailer was cut, connected to one in the way I think everyone wanted it, two and three to kind of do, which they did to varying degrees. But it felt like we were going to get the origin story and it looked cool 
and it looked weird. And that spaceship image, which is so haunting, that shape, you know, whether that's a Giger shape or um, what's his name who designed the interiors of the, uh, the spaceships in Alien? Uh, Cobb. Not Giger. Cobb. Sorry. Isn't it Cobb? Ron Cobb? Yes. Yep. Um, you know, that that serpentine tail looking curved spaceship element. That's just so cool to me wherever I see it. It's always cool. Even though I don't always understand from one, two, and three. Am I looking at the same ship, different place? Or, you know, does it matter? Like, <laughs> I asked you a couple of those questions. And you're like, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's not clear in the subsequent It's movies. not clear in the subsequent This LV-426 for Aliens is supposed to be the same it asteroid is, yes. or moon and, and or whatever. After the they one. left the corporation in the ensuing 57 years, then put colon, colonists on it, created an atmosphere, and and I guess we're led to believe had the nefarious plan to did they did they have a nefarious plan to try and get these aliens to come to hatch again so they could capture them and study them? Or did were the, was the corporation actually caught unaware at the return, however the return happened in aliens, because we don't really know. Um, presumably everyone knew the ship was there from the first Alien movie, right? Or is it just 57 years later, there's nobody alive who remembered that this creepy ship was there, I guess? I don't know. You know, if you, yeah, actually, if you look at it, right, the, they, in the first one, they, they heard a signal, they answered the signal. Correct. They went down, they found it, the android reported back to the computer and said, yeah, we found something, and they're like, okay, great, bring it back. Yeah. Then that blew up. Right. Then... They, at some point, you know, let's say 20 years later, sent a colony back there to terraform. And I guess maybe they, they were not aware of where they had no record of where that spaceship was. Hmm. I mean, you know, satellites weren't as much of a thing as they are now in 1986. But I have to imagine a it's 500 years in the future, we would have been <laughs> able to see everything on that planet before we, we even set foot there. And they would know exactly where the ship is. But I think in the movie lore it's supposed to be that they don't you know yeah these miners did stumble on it and if you were to sort of you know play devil's advocate you could say like Waylon yutani knew that there was something there didn't know where it was and was kind of waiting for someone to find it for them basically maybe but it's also funny to me that in terms of movie nerd canons no one gets really exercised about alien canon the way they do about star wars canon I'm thinking about like Dan Hartley talking to Dan Hartley about Star Wars. And he's like, no, 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 no. This, what happened was alien is sort of in a good way, in the way you're talking about in not having the entire story laid out for you. It gives, you can make any three of these movies and they're in this alien universe, right? You can make, um, you can make three so disconnected from the first two in a way but yet also more true in a way to the first one in terms of a right. spirit of filmmaking and sort of quality of filmmaking. Um, and I understand it's Hollywood, it's IP, Alien is a success. Let's make another one. What are they going to do? I mean, it's inevitable, of course, that given the time frame that we're talking about, the decade that we're talking about, it is inevitable that, guess, James Cameron ends up directing Aliens and turns it into what it was turned into. And I am, I am fairly alone in sort of, I'm going to read you a couple Instagram comments because I think they're really funny. Um, VHS revolution. These are all on my Instagram page. You can look at the 
Aliens post where I was posting about the with nail and I alien cinematic universe in alien three <laughs> and VHS revolution. And I used the term, um, that Bruce had goaded me into finally watching the much maligned James Cameron movie aliens. And this is a common response that VH VHS revolution posted in what world is aliens much maligned? Did I read that wrong? And someone else wrote, yeah, this confused me as well. And of course, I come in, being me, well, in the world where people value the original film very much and thinks James Cameron, the ultimate hack, turned it into a film that completely devalued every single thing that made the original film special. That world, the real world. <laughs> now, of course, I'm just stoking the fire there. Um, however, I wanted to read this quote because... Again, without being as uh, trollish as I was, this person sort of hit the nail on the head, who agrees with me. I'm, of course, I'm citing them because they agree with me. P.M. Stuar commented, I feel very seen by this. Good to know I'm not alone in my antipathy towards most Cameron movies and this one in particular. He's always sort of struck me as a soulless version of Spielberg. And I feel like I'm taking crazy pills whenever I hear people refer to Aliens as one of those sequels that improves on the original. Um, the, the, and I, I commented that I was really glad he mentioned the Spielberg thing because when I was watching Aliens, I thought, this is very Spielbergian without that thing that makes Steven Spielberg one of the most iconic and important film directors who ever lived. As an artist, James Cameron may be a technical innovator, but he's not an artist. Right. Steve. No, he's not. And he and but he's again obviously not trying to be. His <laughs> especially true. Uh, you know, looking at it I I one of my greatest cinematic disappointments was going to see Titanic <laughs> opening weekend. Because like well, what were you expecting, Bruce? <laughs> the aliens I loved. Right. Uh, obviously still do. I actually, I was talking to my friend when, when we were 13, I was trying to get the, the timeline right, but it, he reminded me, no, we were 13. It was February. Right. There was a snowstorm uh, up to our knees. I'm not kidding. This is, I know this sounds like, oh, when I was your age. We slogged to the theater right. and snow. But this is, I distinctly <laughs> recall this because we were walking to the video store. Oh, to the video uh, store, not even the movie. You're going to the video oh, store. Oh, this was to the video store. And I remember thinking, I'm like, I don't, this is a bad idea because we're like in knee high, but I, I was my idea. I was like, we have to go to the video store and rent aliens because he had never seen it. And his mom was the one with the, the video card. So okay. I like forced him and it was like a mile away. <laughs> he like did it and he, we watched and he was like, oh, that was so worth it. Uh, and we never returned the tape and his mother lost her <laughs> membership. But anyway, so I obviously love aliens. Sorry, Tommy K. Love the abyss. I think that's a that's mm, an excellent, mm. you know, again, well crafted action movie. True Lies isn't as fun. I don't really know. <laughs> your your voice went up an octave. That speaks for itself. Got it. Yeah, he's like working out some weird kinks. I don't really get it. Whatever. All right. Um, and then, but I'm still on the James Cameron bandwagon. I'm still, you know, I've got season tickets as as Bill Simmons <laughs> says. Then titanic <laughs> it's like and and to to whoever was commenting on your instagram post i felt like i was taking crazy pills because i was like what why does everybody <laughs> love this this is like it's so bad it's so bad wrote uh 
to your point, poorly acted, uh, uh, formulaic. Like, why? Because the sets are good? Like, I don't understand. Like, oh, yeah, he really showed what it looks like for a boat to sink. And where exactly do you live, Mr. Dawson? Well, right now, my address is the RMS Titanic. After that, I'm on God's good humor. And how is it you have means to travel? I work my way from place to place, you know, tramp steamers and such. But I won my ticket on Titanic here at a lucky hand at poker. A very lucky hand. Mm. All life is a game of luck. Mm. A real man makes his own luck, Archie. Right, Dawson? Mm. And you find that sort of rootless existence appealing, do you? Oh, yes, ma'am, I do. I mean, got everything I need right here with me. Got air in my lungs and a few blank sheets of paper. I mean, I love waking up in the morning not knowing what's gonna happen or who I'm gonna meet, where I'm gonna wind up. Just the other night, I was sleeping under a bridge, and now here I am on the grandest ship in the world having champagne with you fine people. <laughs> I'll take some of that. Like, okay, yeah, mm-hmm. fills with water, and then everybody dies. Like, why? Well, I don't, what, what is there that is this great thing? However, what Cameron has that Spielberger has is this weird sense of what people like because yes. he is clearly the most successful filmmaker of all time. Well, he's the McDonald's, he's the McDonald's of, of filmmakers. Um, he appeals to the broadest amount of people with films that I find ludicrous and unwatchable, like Avatar, Titanic, every film. I mean, I said to you, right. has James Cameron ever made a truly, what I would consider a great film? Is there even... Is there one in his canon that's I wet? think Terminator is truly great. Like, like that's probably the only one. Decides. That's probably the only one. Right. And I, to me, aliens, because it's, yeah, it's also talk to me, great. Frosty. I can't, Bruce, I can't, I can't have the guy with the corks and the strings on his hat and the pumping in the, the ammunition and the, the, the glistening muscle. It's just so dumb, Bruce. I mean, if you're 12, a- I get it. It's for 12-year-olds. Talk to me, Frosty. So I guess yes. it, that's fine for them. But Alien was not for 12-year-olds. Alien was for 70s cinema heads. Our minds Correct. were blown. So it's, I'm not wrong to want that from the franchise, am I? No, and then it went right back to that in Alien 3. <laughs> now... I'm, why did I never, I never watched Alien 3 because I was always told, and I never really investigated it, and I'm a huge, you know, one of my very favorite episodes of this podcast is about Zodiac, and it took me three months to get over that episode. That's how into it I was. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, It also takes about three months to watch it, but I I stayed away from watching Alien 3 because I was always told this is one of the most famous cinematic disasters in history. It's a terrible movie. It's uh it's one of those like studio meddled nightmares. And again, I'm watching this 2003 version which is like which I gather is not what people saw in the theaters because somebody on Instagram mentioned a scene at the end that was not in the one I saw which was like Ripley actually holding the alien baby. But I never read that that was even ever actually shot. I think this person might be making that up. Wait a minute. So in the version that you watched, she so doesn't have the spoiler baby. alert, everyone on the, on the, <laughs> on the listening, spoiler alert, turn away. If you've not seen alien three, she, when she jumps off the yeah. platform with her arms wide, Jesus pose. 
into the lava or yeah. whatever molten metal lead she, it's lead the lead thank you the alien queen whatever mm-hmm. uh baby bursts out of her chest and she grabs it before she falls into the lead did that not happen and i in didn't the, see that the, happen that's weird yeah no so i did see it in the theater and that's my memory of it as well so I, no, i'm pretty I, sure i, I would remember that <laughs> i'm pretty sure i would remember that i think that in the but now and this is a weird thing because i guess all of these are 2003 editions because they must have re-released all of the alien movies in 2003 in some sort of massive packaging thing but fincher Which had I nothing have. to do with the 2003 version of alien 3 because he hates it and talks about hating it and um so he didn't have anything to do with it but they put in scenes that were in his original notes i guess for the cut and apparently i saw someone say that when she does the jesus pose at the end um maybe you see some blood on her shirt but there's not like a chest burster scene that happens as she's jumping into the lead not I mean, I can't imagine that I missed that. <laughs> Granted, I was watching it, um, you know, it might have been late at night, but I don't think I'm, I'm pretty sure I didn't see that because she's doing battle with Lance Hendrickson, uh, her and the one remaining captive, right, on the little transom thing over the molten lead device that's that's going to take the alien and then the other one's going to escape from it. And then it's water, cold water that kills the alien. And then she is pregnant. That The whole reason she's killing herself is she's pregnant with another queen. Yes. And so she does the Jesus pose and she just drops. Now, I don't, I'm pretty sure I would remember if something burst out of her chest that she then clutched an alien baby into the molten lead. But I didn't see that on the version I watched. All right. I have it. I own it uh, <laughs> digitally. I'm looking at it right now. And there she's dropping, she's dropping Lance Hendrickson with his great. No, there she goes. And oh, there it is. The alien queen pops out. Right, hold and... on. I'm going to, I'm going to open it up too. Are you, and you're, are you watching the 2003? Sorry. I just don't think I could have missed this, could I? If I missed a, a I'm looking at the end here. Okay, hold on. Oh yeah, wait a minute. You're right. You're right. How did I miss that? I must have gone to the kitchen or something. I did just see a little I did I did just see a little. Okay, so here she is. Oh yes. You're completely right. All right, that's ridiculous. And she's holding it. But no, the, you're right. The special edition, that doesn't happen in the special edition. No, no, that's what I'm watching. 2003 special edition. Yes. But well, I think what's gone, do you recall dialogue? Hey, Jason here with a brief interjection to clarify, clarify, clarify this confusing bit here because I just was looking for a clip to represent, hopefully, the squeak of the baby alien bursting out of Ripley's chest as she plummeted into the molten lead at the end of Alien 3. And the clip that I looked at has Ripley sacrificing herself into the molten lead, but it doesn't include the baby alien 
bursting out of her chest and her clutching the baby alien to both of their demise in the molten lead. So what I surmise is that the original release in 92 or 93 did not include the baby chestburster and Ripley's descent into the molten lead. Instead, it just had Ripley making a self-sacrifice with the Jesus pose, dropping into the lead. In this 2003 edition, which we've established had no input from Fincher whatsoever, but did put back scenes that were included in supposedly his original edit notes. Perhaps this was what Fincher intended all along, which, if I think about it, does have the kind of sick sense of humor that Fincher would include in a conclusory scene. And perhaps that's what I'm watching when I'm watching, and maybe when all of you are watching the 2003 special edition. So this is, again, part of the reason why special editions are great, but also really confuse the narrative, because I've been confused, listeners have been confused, people are commenting on different things that happened in different versions of the film, and it does become a bit of a jumble. I will concede that. You know, previously on the podcast, I've really appreciated special editions, like the Blade Runner special edition, which to me is the definitive version of the film, but it's not at all the film that people saw when they went to the movie theaters. And that is the film to some degree, because that's what people saw. When you go in as a director or as a studio and you re-release a version of the film with additional materials, it's an interesting philosophical question as to whether that's now the definitive edition or not. So anyway, Hope that clarifies the unclarifiable. I saw I saw someone say that, and maybe this was just in a script, but I saw someone say that like while she's falling and clutching the uh, the baby alien, she says something like, uh, "You've always been with me," or something, or like there was. Uh, I, I guess at one point, I don't know if it was just in a version of a screenplay, there was like a line of dialogue between her and the baby alien that she takes with her now. When she goes into the lead, why wouldn't the baby alien fly up out of the lead like the big one just did and have to be killed by the water? We don't get to see that happen either. But maybe that's the maybe that's what allows resurrection to well, resurrection is a cloned movie. They clone her yes. and in now in cloning her, they clone her and the baby. Somehow. Somehow. Because <laughs> Because she has the DNA in some way, also yeah. had the DNA of what was what she was impregnated with. That was the entire sort right, of concept, right. and that is you want to. That's a weird movie. That is clearly <laughs> like they did with Aliens. They went to they went to a filmmaker who was known for getting things done and had their own style, mm-hmm. and said, "Here you go." And, but it was like a crazy French guy. And he was like, okay. And here, here's some basketball. She's going to have sex with aliens. She's Basket, gonna, there's basketball gonna, in it. There's that. What? You have no idea. Please, <laughs> please for your, they swim. Like there's so oh much in there. there. There's a baby alien that's born that I don't want to spoil it for you, but a sort of, <laughs> go ahead, please. I'm pretty sure I'm never going to watch it. So. Well, so I, so it is implied. I, they never, they don't make it explicit, but they show her in like a sort of like pile of writhing aliens, right? And mm. the implication that I think they're 
there's sexual congress happening in in this, in Rip, this Ripley, scenario. Ripley is doing will, willingly Ripley. or she's being forcibly I think willingly, yes really because it's like her clone like because she's the clone that also has some alien dna she's kind of like interesting yeah well hard. that's that is kind of interesting. I, I thought that was an interesting storyline in three that they got into, but not as much as I thought would have been interesting to get into, which is that she's kind of half us and half them at that point. Like they won't kill her because she's right. carrying the queen. She doesn't know that, of right. course, but um, I, I love that element. I wanted to ask you, speaking about the canon. So after Aliens, okay, we're on the ship and again, we think we're home free, but guess what? Someone's tagging along, apparently on the exterior of a spaceship, there's an alien, right? And um, that's the last, that's the last fight in Aliens, right? Yes. And then she uh, and Newt go to sleep with... Michael Bean and um is Lance Hendrickson dead but yeah he's dead by that point right he yeah he's ripped in half he's not he's ripped in half he's but he's but, but, but yeah. he's there yes. so then when we start alien 3 i guess what we're told maybe not explicitly is that there was a there was another one in the ship or on the ship Right. And not only was there another one, but that somehow that one got into Ripley's pod without breaking the hermetic environmental seal that allowed her to survive and impregnated her? Correct. <laughs> uh, or, yeah, well, so there, there were actually more than one on the ship because if you look at it, there... First of all, one of the most ridiculous parts of Aliens, and as much as I love it, I'll I'll never understand this. The ship is the ship that they escaped the planet with is the size of like, I don't know, uh, a minivan right, kind of, right. or maybe a, let's say a bus. Yeah. And then a bus-sized alien somehow sneaks on <laughs> sneaks it. on board. Like I was always like, where did she? You didn't notice? You didn't notice you know? that. <laughs> Anyway, moving on. But then, wait, so wait. You is, you mentioned two hilarious, ludicrous moments at the end of Aliens. I want you to run yes. through them right now because the one that you you said just wait, and I laughed so loud in my house <laughs> at the concept of what was the first one because you said just I, wait. There's two more insane yes. things that happen. I don't remember what what the one I led with, but tell me what your two were because they were so fucking funny. So the well, the one, and I think he kind of like plays to it because you see. The elevator. So, so, so Ripley uses the elevator to get yes. away from the alien, and then the alien's chasing her. And the other elevator next to the one that Sigourney Weaver uses comes down as well because she pushed the button like you do. Right. And it and the doors open, and the alien queen kind of tilts its head like, yeah. Huh. And then clearly, so like, learning. I can use the. I can use the right. elevator. Um, An alien my, uses the elevator yeah. and just is like, I would love to have just seen a scene of, of the alien waiting on the elevator as the floors yes. went by. Like what, what, you know, like we all do, right. right? Everyone waits in an elevator the same way. Right. Like clutching her purse. Like, yeah. Did it, just did it open tapping at the a wrong toe, floor? Uh, you know, hitting the button nervously the way right. Ripley did. Like that's brilliant. I laughed so hard at that. Did you, did, did, did the alien queen start to get off at the wrong floor? And she's like, oh, oh, oh. And then, oh. like, backed off. 
Did she say, um, oh, it must be on the express? <laughs> so there's that. Then that then the, my other thing was the how does this something the size of the thing that you escaped, <laughs> that you on, escaped on just hide somehow. But I think the implication in Alien 3. Oh, and then the third sort of. By the of way, Bruce, not just I, hide, but punch through a spaceship window right? in, or, in order to yeah, get at like, Ripley. How would you have snuck on mm-hmm. unless she was on the outside, then snuck back into the ship when they all got off to do make well, a grand well, entrance? It was on the know. outside. What was it on the outside and punch through the window? No, it comes through the door, the the, oh, the drop it? door that they all come out. Oh, because isn't there that little scene as they're getting on that? Um, isn't there like a little tell scene where you? I, yes. I can't remember. I'm I'm jumbling up my alien movies. No, but they they all get off and they're like, oh well, you know, hey, we're all good, so uh, let's get back. And Bishop's like, yep. And then they look down and there's like a there's a little sticky drip of a drip, yeah, yeah, of something. I think it's acid. And then uh, Bishop is run through with the alien queen's tail, and then the whole thing starts. But she comes very obviously out of the ship, not the inside, <laughs> but the but from the inside of the ship, not yes. the outside. Of the ship. But again, it's the, Jim Cameron, you're not supposed to worry about this stuff, Bruce. You're 12 mentally right. to be in the wheelhouse. Well, so. And the other thing that I, I always thought, I'm like, man, she has some strong elbows because she, <laughs> she uh, uh, defeats the airlock that is sucking in other human beings and right. heavy pieces of equipment. And she has the alien queen clinging to her foot. You're talking about uh, but, Ripley. Yes, when yes. she when the airlock opens. So there's a anyway, but you forgive it. It's exciting. The music's great. Whatever. Okay, but wait, let me ask you it, this. It, yes. If the airlock is the ultimate way we're going to get rid of the alien, why is the alien perfectly capable of living in space on the outside of the spaceship? Right. Well, I guess it doesn't make I any guess sense. in that case, the <laughs> air from the ship is serving as sort of a Mm. propulsion to push it away from the ship and if that's the case then the alien has nothing to grab onto it sort of will just float out in space you know so when she puts however when she puts the alien out of the airlock there's another one already on board that we don't know about correct there are little the little face huggers the little face huggers presumably there and my implicate my what i always thought for alien 3 was that there's more than one because they they impregnate ripley they kill somehow uh, Hicks and Newt yep. and caused the ship to crash. Like, now, so something happened. A lot of people hated the movie right off the bat because of those deaths, including Correct. Jim Cameron, who, who it, thought, you know, how dare you? Uh, I've established these beloved characters. How dare you? Oh, now, I, of course, I love that. Like, the minute I saw that, that I was in a Fincherian universe of such bleak desolation that he killed <laughs> off the kid. I was like, okay, maybe this is promising to me. Like I'm yeah, all for that realistic not, approach. <laughs> I do not have the greatest taste in the world. We've established that my sort of like uh, favorites are large scale blockbusters mm-hmm. from the eighties. However, when I saw this when I was 15 and being the huge aliens fan that I am, I did see that and I was like, oh, that's badass. Yeah. Like, it just killed everybody. I love the style of the movie. It's brilliant. I mean, Alien, we're talking Alien 3 here, folks. Yeah, and um, beautiful. I thought it was great. I really liked it. I mean, I didn't think some of the running alien effects hold up in 2024. But by the way, one thing that Fincher got right is he went back to the thing that I really disliked about aliens, which is fewer aliens. Like, you right. know, 
And and to me, that's scary. I like the Jaws approach. I think it's a Jaws approach. It's scarier that way than in the, we're going to mow down thousands of these things with remote controlled machine guns, you know? Right. Um, but the styling of it, uh, the quality of the acting is is superior to anything in Aliens because you have these British actors, you have the bizarre with Nail and I cinematic universe crossover, which was even, I didn't even know until I posted the picture of um, Danny the Dealer being in Aliens, which I didn't even know the entire time I was watching the movie until the end when I looked it up and I thought, that guy looks really familiar. <laughs> um, or I didn't even think he looked familiar. I just said, that guy's an amazing actor because you have these two really big performances from Charles S. Dutton, who is brilliant, by the way, in Alien 3. Yeah. I mean, that is a great performance. That's one of the greatest performances in any of the Alien films. Um, and, you have, and you have Ripley and Sigourney. That's a great performance from her, too. You said you would put two just because she has more stuff to do. I would say two, three, one, if I was ranking Weaver performances in those three main Alien films. Because I think it's so... So much darker and more interesting what she gets to do in three. Right. But I'm so I'm looking up this cast like multiple times and I just missed it each time because the guy's the actor has a name that's you know Ralph Brown. It's not the most memorable name. It's not like Sigourney Weaver. I must have <laughs> looked at it three times before I was like, wait a minute, that's Danny the dealer from Withnail and I. And I didn't even realize after I posted the photo on Instagram that Paul McGann, the eye of Withnail and I, is also in Alien 3. Because apparently a lot of his stuff was cut out in the theatrical release. In the version I watched, he's the mechanism by which the alien escapes the uh, airlock that they actually successfully trap the alien in. He is, he's like a mentally ill person who escapes his, his captors and then slices the throat of a guard and lets the alien out because he thinks it's a Jesus type godlike figure. Oh. So he has way so, more yeah. scenes in the 2003 one. Uh, you, I don't know that I've ever seen the special edition now that I'm looking at. No, you should at it watch it. I think you'd really like it. Probably. I, I love Alien 3. I've always loved Alien 3. I've never, I, even Fincher's own dislike of his own yeah. movie. I think he disliked the experience of it because yes. it was an awful experience. It was an for awful him. experience, yes. But the resulting movie is like, it's a great haunted house. It's uh, great. Know, just like Alien sci fi movie. It's great. It, 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 and it's gorgeous like it's gorgeous the, the cinematography yeah. as usual yes special effects uh, you know here and there not so great but the but, well let me say this yeah. about the special effects you know the guys on the commentary track mention it's almost one of the very final practical effects movies because of its right. timing there are a few cgi shots in the film <laughs> but by and large it's puppetry on the uh alien it's a man in, it's a guy in a suit and it's puppetry um, right. And I think they do the movement of the alien better in three than Cameron did in two, which I never thought the aliens in two moved with much force. Like they don't seem like they really are strong when they're in movement in aliens. Whereas right. to your point, you mentioned it, the alien cam, the POV alien cam is a very effective way to get away from the limitations of puppetry or guy in a suit movement. Right. Cause you could, right. you can do cool shit where it's like running on the ceiling and the POV is flipping upside down. Um, it's just a, a more dynamic way to do it. But I thought the movie looked great. Um, you have Pete Postlethwaite. You have Charles S. Dunn. You have real actors. You have real, and real actors 
Um, and Fincher offered the officious leader of the colony role to Richard E. Grant to complete the Withnail and I triumvirate. He tried to get Richard E. Grant. It's the most excellent canopy, the air. Look you, this brave or hanging firmament, this majestical roof fretted with golden fire. Why, it appeareth nothing to me but a foul and pestilent congregation of vapors. What a piece of work is a man. How noble in reason, how infinite in faculties, how like an angel in apprehension, how like a god! The beauty of the world, paragon of animals. Yet to me, what is this quintessence of dust? Man delights not me. No, no women neither. No women neither. who didn't do the film. So it was a conscious thing to put all these Withnail and I guys into Alien 3, but it's such a bizarre crossover that I never saw coming. Well, that's good. That's that's Fincher. That's yep. he's he's a real movie He head, was 27, you know? and, Bruce. 27. Uh, that's unbelievable to me. He, you know, <laughs> and speaking of which, Ridley Scott was I think in his 40s when he did Alien, the first one. Is that true? Like he he was he was not a young man. He was he well, that's was true because he had the whole you know actually you know Fincher is sort of a Ridley Scott of the nineties. I mean he's also coming out of ads, commercials, music videos. Exactly. Let's see, Ridley Scott is like ninety two. No, he can't be that old. Let's see, eighty six. He's eighty six, and Alien is. 79 so yes. how do you figure that out if he's 86 now how old was he in 1979 how do you 41 how do you do, like do that? that right how do you do that you just do uh you subtract 2023 minus 1979 no or no do you 19 no how does that tell se- you how does that tell you how old he was Wait a minute 2024 was... minus 1979 is 45. Right, but so he's really... eighty-six. Then he was forty-one, right? Oh, okay. Yeah, so I mean, twenty-seven years old to be Fincher. Um, unreal. It's unreal. He he actually has a really good comment in this book that I read about the making. It it just has a couple chapters about Alien Three, and he says he realized after the fact that if you are David Fincher at age twenty-seven, and you've been given this opportunity, and you're standing on the set, and you are adamantly insisting that it has to be this way because you have a vision in your head of the way it should be and you know that you're right. He said that unless you had a Blade Runner under your belt or whatever James Cameron had under his belt before he made Aliens, everyone involved in the movie is going to look at you like, well, who the fuck are you? Mm -hmm. And he just didn't have that yet because he'd never directed a film. Uh, But he probably was right in his Fincherian way of of understanding what he wanted to do, however crazy and ambitious it might have been for the parameters that they were given for Alien 3. But the 2003 version, I think, is really, really worth watching. I think people should check that out for Alien 3 because it's really interesting. I mean, I think that's the most you can ask for 
in a genre movie is that it'd be interesting and it'd have real acting. And that's my problem in Aliens is outside of Sigourney Weaver and Lance Henriksen, who is great in every one of these, in two and three, by the way. Yes. Um, he's great. And the prosthetic they make, the the um, the head that they make that she brings back to life in three is so good. He appears as a real person at the end of three and the creator of the android and the antipathy between her and the android because of the betrayal of uh, what's his name in the first movie is, is a great little through line. But I couldn't get enough of how brilliant Charles S. Dutton was. And everybody in this movie, everybody in Alien 3 is superbly cast with real actors. Right. That is not the like case. It's an English movie. It's a British <laughs> movie. And it's not the case in Aliens. The ludicrous pilot, the female pilot, are you joking? Why is she wearing sunglasses in space, Bruce? Switch to DCS ranging. 240, nominal to profile. We're in the pipe, five by five. the pipe five by five i say that <laughs> why is it so quotable it is so damn quotable that movie too talk to me frosty no one in the history of the military ever said talk to me frosty talk to me frosty like you're standing right next to each other you don't need to he doesn't need to be in your cans telling you what to do you're you're literally what? abreast in an alley talk to me frosty this is this is the brilliance <laughs> of james cameron yeah, because he knows <laughs> regardless of reality <laughs> he knows like what you're going what's going to appeal to you i know he does he does enjoy it's... and it's frustrating because like i've shared my feelings on titanic i could go on for another three <laughs> hours or so but then you know pen uh not pandora what's the name of that movie avatar, avatar? oh god the completely forgettable disposable avatar jesus uh, so bad. And the completely disposable Avatar 2. Yes. He made the, his last three movies have been the oh, most successful movies of all, of time. all time. I know. It's, it, it's one of the most chilling and humbling statistics in movie fandom that you can remind yourself of, which is like, however much air I expend talking about what I think are brilliant movies, those three films, three of the worst films ever made, three of the most <laughs> useless films ever made outside of whatever... And even, you know what, everyone will say, well, the technical innovation, well, you know what, the technical innovation is what's ruining the movies, you know? So the CGI of Avatar renders me completely neutered and careless about anyone on screen. I don't give a shit. The best character in the second Avatar movie was the military operator guy that some animator threw in there, you know, had the crew cut and the shades and he just looked like your typical gung-ho. That's uh, a really funny meme for Avatar 2, Pandora, whatever the fuck it's called, but... I will say I was very impressed by the special effects in Avatar 2. I was like, oh, that's where the money went. Like, Were I you? could see it. I it like, just oh. leaves me cold, man. I, I, I much prefer practical. I mean. Oh, yeah, no, 100%. But I'm saying for what they were doing, using CGI and everything. But for and by what? the way, they did, for they did use a mix of for both. They, they, there, was, there is practical sort of supplemented by CGI. Oh, like what? They first. planted a rubber tree? Like, I mean, so... Like, yeah, I think, like, so. some of the sets were... Whatever it is, I thought it looked very convinced, like, I, I was in there. Like, but, like, why doesn't he ever even make, successful. like, one for him? Like, doesn't he have, like, an art movie in him that he just wants no. to make? No. No. <laughs> why? No, why? What's what, he going to make? Is he going to make more Avatar movies? Like, and I guess yes. why not? Because they make billions of dollars. What in his... 
I don't know. I just like career has. I don't know. I just I, I keep thinking like, what if he made like a small relationship movie? I'd I'd want to yeah. see that. You know, I mean, not gonna happen. Having said that, he does write very good. Well, he did write very good, strong female characters in Terminator, Terminator Two, and Aliens. I haven't seen evidence of that True. subsequently, but you know, he had at one point a very strong kind of sense of, um, yeah, I guess you have to give him know. that if he wrote those, I mean, I don't know the history of the screenwriting of Terminator two or like, is that wholly from his imagination or is that gang written by 20 screenwriters in typical eighties blockbuster fashion? I don't know. Maybe, you know, no, he, he definitely wrote the first Terminator. He definitely wrote aliens. He, he definitely wrote, uh, Terminator 2, but I think he had help on Terminator 2, like story by and all that kind of stuff. I, I would say after that is when he probably, or maybe even The Abyss was when he started getting more in, you know, he's always been more interested in the technical side of things. He was, yes. he was a engineering student and a truck driver before he started doing movies. Um, he's, that's, that's what interested him. Like he created the technology for The Abyss mm. of for the their scuba gear, where they're uh, yes. able to see each other and right. and speak to each other. Before that, that didn't exist in the world. Like yeah, that didn't okay. exist. Great. And he was happy like, for scuba divers, Bruce. Well, Sad for saying, filmgoers. Like, he's brilliant in ways that don't matter. Are different from <laughs> what we care about. <laughs> you know, I guess. from, from I know. telling us. You know, move, you know, like he's not focusing on the actors. He's focusing on can we hear what they're saying when they're 90 feet under the water kind of thing. You know, it's kind of like you mentioned Titanic. And I talk, I did a Titanic episode because I had reason to go to the re-release of Titanic last year with with two 12-year-olds. Yes. Um, and then also go see the second Avatar movie also with 12-year-olds. And so I did an episode about that, which people can check out, which is pretty funny. Um, in Titanic... The whole thing is so ludicrous up to the point where the ship starts to sink, in which case the filmmaking is spectacular the, because there's no there's no need for actual sort of these forced acting scenes around a dinner table, which are the most ludicrous things you've ever heard in your life. There's just the action, which at that point, no one is better at choreographing. And that part of the film remains impressive. It's just all the lugubrious cheese that drips from every <laughs> other frame of the film. Um, but I was thinking when I was watching Aliens, like, well, at least I'm going to get some of that quality action directing as I go through here. But you really don't, to be honest with you. I mean, the whole, the elevator setup, flying stuff, like the, the effects are so bad at that point um, that it, it really just doesn't, I don't know where we are. There's no sense of his like, and again, the alien takes an elevator. You, you said it best. There's no, there's just, there's no suspense. Um, you see everything telegraphed, you know where it's going. Um, do you care about Newt? No, not really. I mean, Oh, I did. I, 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 I don't know that I agree with, with that. Why didn't they bring because... the cat? You know why? Like I wanted the cat to come back. I wanted, like, I, I thought Fincher should have figured out a way to get the cat into three Jonesy to me is my favorite alien character and she, she leaves Jonesy behind in aliens. Mm -hmm. And I thought in three, there was a nice moment when they, when they send real life Lance Henriksen to try to sweet talk her, wouldn't it have been great and ludicrous to have him carrying Jonesy as a, as a, ge a gesture of goodwill? Look what I brought for you. 
you know? That's fantastic. But then, of course, yes, she would have had to jump into the lead with Jonesy and an alien. Now, I don't know, maybe better. Yeah, David Fincher would not have hesitated to do <laughs> no, that. No, he would have killed Jonesy. Like, <laughs> he, would have, oh. he would have probably had Jonesy killed in whatever happened to have Newt, Michael Bean, uh, and the half of Lance Hendrickson killed, right? He would have he would have had uh, the Lance Hendrickson character at the end when he sees that Ripley's just gonna yes. say screw it and kill him. He would have kicked the cat after her. <laughs> he was like, "Fuck you!" And how about this though? Jonesy lives then in the Alien canon somewhere. Jonesy, yeah, right. You could do an Jonesy's alien. You could do an alien sequel now from Jonesy's perspective. How about that? Sure. Right, like. Do they have plans for more of these? Like they must, right? Like, oh yeah, who has been rumored? Who's who's doing it? Like, who who are the filmmakers Uh, that are supposed to? Alvarez, who directed the uh, Evil Dead Uh, from 2013, is making Alien. I believe it's called Romulus. Then one of my favorite TV creators, Noah Hawley, is actually Mm. doing an Alien TV series for Hulu. And who are the characters? No idea. Actually, Noah Hawley did release a list of character names. Is Noah for Hawley the, Firefly? For the show. No, he he like Fargo and stuff. Oh, okay. He's, oh, Noah Hawley Fi- Fargo. Yeah. Why am I thinking Firefly? Yeah. That's weird. That's um, Joss Whedon who wrote um, Alien Resurrection. Actually, uh, the fourth yes. Alien movie. Right. So now canceled again. Bizarre. I want you to watch that movie because, like, you'll just be. It like, just sounds what? terrible, Bruce. I don't, it just sounds horrible. Like, does, is there it's, any redeeming quality to it? Like. I, I don't know. What I'm do you not an alien completist in that regard. I don't need that in my life. I'm it's, so wounded I, by Prometheus, Bruce. I'll never get over that. I will never, ever, ever get over what Ridley Scott did to all of us in that movie. I will never forgive him for that. It is in, It is better to not have done that movie than to do what he did. It's, it's just... Are you- what, what's the problem? What you mean, like when the first biologist to ever discover an alien species anywhere decides to treat it like a cute little puppy and try to touch it with his finger? Or perhaps the map maker uh, being the only one who gets lost yeah. by just running away? Or perhaps all of it, brilliant, Bruce. All of it. Perhaps all of the it. brilliant scientist uh, running away from a rolling, oh, uh, you know, sort of ten foot wide thing that could have just run sideways, and she just keeps running straight. I mean, they're on and on. I mean, it's, I remember, I remember being so stoked to go see it, and you know, in a movie theater, that dawning reality. There's a moment when you know, and you, you yep. know, you know from false notes that could be so subtle from going to so many movies, and I just remember knowing right away because I think it opens on the planet with that weird guy with the yeah, and and you just kind of knew something about it just told you this is not going to work, uh, and it didn't. So I was trying to think what's what the last good Ridley Scott movie was. Um, apparently, it's not uh, Napoleon, but. I have not seen that. I wonder what what we would say the last truly great. Would it be Gladiator? Why that long ago? I mean That's two thousand. He must have made something good since two thousand. A lot of people like the counselor. I've never seen that. I've never seen that either. Um, um Oh, did he direct the Martian? He did direct the Martian. That's yes. pretty good. Martian's pretty that's an entertaining movie for another ludicrous setup. Let's see. 
I'm trying to look at his IMDb here. Definitely not Gladiator 2. That's coming out in 2024. Is he directing that? Oh, my God. What about um, Alien Covenant? What the hell is that? That was after... 2017. He directed yeah, that? You didn't see that? No, yeah. no. Why would I see that? <laughs> that I actually <laughs> like that more because at that point I was really? like, all right, so clearly he doesn't give a shit. And so I watched <laughs> Covenant with that sort of like in mind, knowing like, well, how bad could it be? Could it be as bad as, <laughs> as the last one? And it, it is and isn't. It's almost like he was like, remember the Hammer movies from the 60s? Yes, yes. It's like I feel like it's his take on one of those movies. All right, that's not so like, bad. Yeah, I actually liked it because I was like, oh, so now the, the Android guy is kind of oh, like well, that, that, Frankenstein. That, that was his movie after The Martian. Yeah. Um, Exodus, Gods and Kings. I'm going backwards here. The Counselor was after Prometheus. Robin Hood. Body of Lies, 2008. Martin. American Gangster, 2007. That's a decent movie. A Good Year, I really like that movie. That's a very unridley Scott uh, movie with Russell Crowe in France. Black Hawk Down, that's a great movie, 2001. I, I like Kingdom of Heaven. Kingdom of Heaven. What is that? Is that about the Crusades with uh, uh, I never saw Orlando that. Bloom? I never saw that. Is that yeah, good? Hundred and ninety-four uh, minutes. Jesus Christ. Well, you know. I guess it's the Crusades. You have to you have to do what you gotta do. Is that really yeah. good? Should I watch that? The Bruce, come on. Really? It depends on how into the crusades you are. I mean it, it's it's <laughs> it an interesting historical on, story. It depends oh, wait, on how into one? the crusades you are. <laughs> didn't he do one with uh The Last Duel it's supposed yes, to be good? The I still haven't duel. seen that. I haven't seen that because it just looked so ridiculous. Yeah, I, I, but I heard it's good. I heard people uh, like that. Yeah, but you Matt know, Matchstick Man is good if you've never seen it. Uh, I think I've seen that. That's um, oh yeah, I saw that. That's okay. It's okay. Hmm. All right. Well, listen. All right, Bruce. Um, I think we've covered all that there is to be said about aliens, which you finally goaded me into doing. I don't know what you have next on your hit parade here, but you're going to owe you. me a good film for your next appearance on this. I mean, it's oh, worthwhile. Man. I'm glad I watched it. I'm really glad I watched three. That was the takeaway for me. Had you, yes, had you said you got to do three, um, I don't know. It's got such a weird reputation. I really encourage people to seek out the 2003 special edition. It's on iTunes. That's where I watched it. It has a bunch of special features, none of which have David Fincher in them, which is kind of funny. But it has a lot of the craftspeople that worked on it, a lot of the special effects people, uh, the editor. Um, and there's a there's one hilarious Lance Henriksen moment. You have all the, like, it's a commentary track, which, ha which is not done by just one person. It's done by uh, some cast members, although not Sigourney Weaver. It's done by uh, the editor, the cinematographer, um, the special effects guys, the only appearance by Lance Henriksen is there's a scene where I think she's, she or the doctor character are coming down this spiral staircase and he comes on the commentary track and he goes, I'm Lance Henriksen. I had that staircase removed. It's in my house now. That's all he says. <laughs> <laughs> it's so Amazing. good. It's brilliant. Anyway, Bruce, thank you so much for allowing me the privilege of experiencing yet another Jim Cameron masterpiece. So thankful to you for that. And for all the people on Instagram who stand for Aliens as a great film, I guess Bruce 
synopsized it best. It's just that we are of different eras and I am too highfalutin in my tastes and interests. And it is really my loss that I cannot just simply enjoy a movie like Aliens without being critical. That's my problem, my cross to bear. It's not for you. And and that is, by the way, the, the entire argument for Alien 3 is that it un, it just completely dismantles and undoes everything yes. that Aliens did, again, purposely. Yes. Um, and that's why people don't like it, because everyone loves, loves, loves Aliens. And then they're like, and then, you yeah. know, Fincher came along and just. Yeah. So if you're, if, if you're listening to this and you're like me out there, watch Alien 3 because of everything Bruce just said. It is a. Uh, it's a big middle finger to aliens, I think, in a great way, in a dark way, in a fascinating way. It's a prison movie as much as it's a science fiction movie. Ripley gets to do interesting, really weird stuff. The motherhood stuff is so creepy and well done. The technology of the movie is really well done. The, the effects of the technology, it's, it's anti-technology in a lot of ways. There are there's no space stuff. It's all like monk-like robes and and a la there are no guns, which is also, I want to mention that, which is pretty fascinating. Mm -hmm. um, apparently Sigourney Weaver, in being really resistant to doing the third film, one of her one of her criteria was, I don't really want it to be about guns. And so when you watch Alien 3, in a really refreshing way, it has nothing to do with shooting. And I think that's kind of a cool and very ahead of its time thing for a film of this type to not just have people blazing those guns that Cameron has in the two with the, like that wearable film camera arm gun thing, you know, we that's don't, what that is. That's yeah. yeah that's, that's a steady, steady cam, cam that they yeah. attached a machine a gun, gun to. Yeah. Exactly. That's all, everything you need to know about. If someone said to me, what's, what's Jim Cameron like <laughs> as a filmmaker? I'd say, well, you know, steady cam, right? Yep. Well, let's just say that in Aliens, there are two Steadicams adapted to be machine guns, and that's pretty much all you need to know. So See, I think- And either you love that fact- And either you, you love that like or you that don't. Fact. Yes, and there you have it. All right, Bruce, thank you so much. I'm going to let you go. I appreciate it. We will talk again soon. Thank you. Okay. All right, buddy. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, so that was my conversation with Bruce about Aliens and Alien 3. I want to thank you so much for joining me. And I'm looking forward to bringing you more films in 2024. Thanks as ever for supporting the podcast and everything that we do here at Full Cast and Crew. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.